Open your Bibles to Psalm 71. Psalms 71. Man, I'm so thankful for the Word of God. One of the reasons that I believe that the Bible is true is it is the best descriptor of the human condition. So modern philosophy would tell us that basically that man is good, that every man has a a spark of the divine in him and things like that. But then when you look at the world and you look at what happens in civilizations and societies that don't have the Bible, that don't have the, the, the teaching of Jesus, even though God has written his law in their hearts, the debauchery that takes place, the evil, the way that children are abused, the way that women are abused, the way that the, an entire society is abused. When we see what the Bible says about the human condition, that aligns with reality. That is what aligns with reality. And so one of the things about this text, I want you to see, look at Psalm 71 and verse 5. The Bible says, For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust. Look at what it says. From my youth. From my youth. Let's pray. Lord, please help us to understand how to handle the trials in life from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that that I have always uh, disliked in Christianity, now let me just step back. So I've been around this my whole life. I've never not known the gospel. My dad was a pastor. I've been around the truth of the word of God, taught in context my whole life, okay? Didn't get saved until I was 15. But I've been around all of this my whole life. And one of the things that, that never resonated with me when I was too young to understand it Now that I'm definitely old enough to understand it, here's something that always bothered me. Christian happy talk. As if, if you are saved, then all of your troubles go away. Okay, how many of you are born again? Would you raise your hand? You know for sure that Jesus is your Savior. Okay, how many of you, since you got saved, have had a car breakdown? Would you raise your hand? Okay, so I guess you're not really saved. Unless you really like having your car break down. So uh, I haven't even asked you how many of you have had emotional trouble, depression, or anxiety. Man, I've never really experienced anxiety until recently. And it's just because my schedule's too full. You know, I got this next. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll think, okay, where am I? What city am I in? What am I preaching on? What am I doing? I I promise that that is happening. I'll stand up and I'll start to say something and I, I can't remember. Did I say this here or did I say it somewhere else? Did I, and, and you start to, to have anxiety. Isn't that weird? You always thought I was nuts. Now I'm really nuts. So we all live in this fallen world. The, the, the longer we live, if we look, look at verse 5 again. For thou art my hope, O Lord, thou art my trust from my youth. And just so you know, my testimony is I really have trusted the Lord from my youth. I really have. I've had a a constant faith in the Lord. Now, that's not saying anything good about me. That's my parents raised me and taught me the truth. And and God gave me his grace. but, But I have trusted the Lord from my youth. But I have seen trouble. Not as much trouble as some of you have seen. Laura and I often say one of the blessings of being in the ministry is that when we 
help people through their trouble, we go home and say, I don't have any problems. My life is good. Ministry does that for us. It gives us perspective. Amen? But what about when you're here? Drop, Drop back to Psalm 69. Verse 1, save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into the deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. Why? They that hate me without a cause, are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel." And listen to what the psalmist is saying. I know I'm supposed to represent you. I know that other people, that their salvation may hinge on my behavior, on my response to trouble. That's pretty heavy. Now, do you all know that people are watching you? When you name the name of Christ, when you do the happy talk, which is when Christians ought to be happy, we ought to be filled with joy. But when we're in these times and we have spoken about the Lord and we have tried to comfort people with the comfort of God, when we're in trouble, when we are, when, when it's, when it's too, to my soul, look at 69 1 again, save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. So it's not just that I feel bad. It's not just that money's tight or I'm arguing a little bit with my spouse. It's that my very being is overwhelmed. Well, when your very being is overwhelmed, how can you be an example to somebody else? See, that's when we need to realize that our strength has to come from somewhere else. It has to come from somewhere else. Where does it come from? Go back to Psalm 71. Verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Look at what it says. Let me never be be put to confusion. Let me give you an example of somebody put to confusion. John the Baptist. The Bible says, here's what Jesus, how many of you think Jesus is a good uh, estimator of character? Of men, born of women, now just so you know, that's all of them. Of men, born of women, there's none greater than John. So how many of you think that's probably, let's be honest, guys. How many of you think that might be better than you? Right? And what happened? After John had preached, after he had, behold the Lamb of God. From his womb, from his mother's womb, he doesn't have a womb. From his mother's womb, remember? Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth, and John leapt in his mother's womb because Jesus was in his mother's womb. That's the calling that John had. 
Men born of women, there's none greater. Remember what it says? What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind. How many of you think John the Baptist was a sissy? What a dude he must have been. And yet, when he had confronted the government, when he's in prison about to die, he sends his followers to Jesus. And he says, are you the one or should we look for another? Are you the one? Because listen, when you're about to die, you want to make sure that what you have done is right. What happened? Verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. John was confused. What's going on, God? What's going on? Now, the Bible doesn't say that, but that's the way that it appears to me. Would you, would you all think that that's a possibility, that he, he was in turmoil about who he was? Of course, then Jesus just sent back the evidences of the Messiah and how he had fulfilled those evidences. Praise God. What do we do? Look at what it says in verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Now, there, there's, some real, there's some real answers in this. It's really fun. Deliver me in my righteousness. Did I say something wrong there? What's it say? Now remember, if you're not used to your Bible, the T's, these and thou's, ye's and you's, the ye's and you's are plural. So Jesus speaking to his disciples would say, O ye of little faith, O ye of little faith. Except for when Peter was walking on the water and he took his eyes off the Lord and Jesus said, O thou of little faith. Okay, the other guys weren't the ones out there trying to walk on the water and giving up. He said that to Peter. Now, now notice what it says here. Deliver me in thy righteousness. You see, he didn't say deliver me in our righteousness. You know, I, I'm not helping God with righteousness. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Now, remember what the Bible says all through Proverbs. Son, incline your ear. Incline your ear. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. But now the psalmist is not saying I'm inclining my ear because I imagine the psalmist was on his face. He's asking God to bow low and hear him. And understand, for God to hear us, that is bowing low. Imagine God humbling himself. You know, you guys know that my schedule, it's, it's crazy and I'm busy but sometimes a church member will say to me, we'll be, we'll be talking, I'm sorry I'm taking your time. I'm sorry I'm taking your time. That's the job. All this other stuff I do is extra. You are why I live. <laughs> you are the reason that I live. And for me to give you time is not me condescending. I'm so noble. I'm, gonna, I'm going to talk to Cohen. That's disgusting, Right? That's, that's, that's revolting. And yet, for God to listen to me, for me to go to him, and for the psalmist not only to say, please let me into your presence and please hear me, he's asking God to come near to him and humble himself. What did Jesus do for us? He humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death 
of the cross. He made himself of no reputation. That's our God. But notice what else it says. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Save me. Help me, God. Save me. Now, this is not the salvation of the death, burial, and resurrection. This is the salvation of the emotional turmoil that he is in. That's what he is praying for here. Now, notice what the Bible says. Verse 3, Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. So, he doesn't say, let me visit you for protection. He says, let me live in your protection. Let, let your strong fortress be my protection. And the idea of safety. Can you imagine if someone was chasing you and you were able to run into a fortress and there's no way they can get through the gates. There's no way they can get over the walls. And finally, you're safe. That's what God is for us. How does he do it? So here's my question. Really important. And, and answer out loud if you would. Does God want to save you? Are you sure? Has he been your trust from your youth? Some of you, he may have been your trust from your middle age. Some of you, he may have been your trust from your old age. You want to see something cool? Look at what it says. In verse uh, 71, chapter 71, look at verse 9. Cast me not off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. You know that there are people, they, they, and you might be here in this room, and you get to a certain age where it seems like maybe people have failed you or, or your health is failing and you're lonely. God's not going to cast you off in your old age. Does God still want to save you? Remember, this is not the salvation of your soul. This is not talking about your eternal salvation. This is talking about him caring for you right now in this evil world. Look, let's see, let's see if that's the truth. Verse 3. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Look at, thou hast given commandment to save me. The command's already made. The, com the, the command is already made to save you. How many of you are glad that the command is made by the one who created and sustains everything? That's who wants to save you. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Look at what it says in verse 4. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Now, let's be very clear about something. Your deliverance might be death. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, I don't want to die today. 
I imagine at some point in my life, if the Lord tarries and and I, I live long enough, how many of you have you have known, how many of you have known folks that have gotten to the end of their life and they say, God, it's time to go home. I, I'm, I'm ready to go, right? Well, praise God. Isn't it good to have that hope that where, where you're, that you're not uh, just holding on to this world for fear of what's to come? Um, uh, someone uh, that Dalton Robertson, while we were at camp, preacher was preaching, and Dalton had read something, and, and he said, um, philosophy and science are worthless on your deathbed. But Jesus is everything. So uh, this Christian happy talk, just hang on. God will see you through. You know, we're, we're going to make it to the other side. Well, the other side might be heaven. And is that bad? I don't want to belabor this point. I just want to say it out loud. COVID really revealed the faith of people. How many of you know Christians that were just terrified during COVID? No, I didn't want to get sick and die. I'm not dumb. I'm not crazy. I don't have a death wish or anything. But what's the worst that could happen? I always think of John R. Rice, the old evangelist. Somebody tried to rob him with a gun, and he said, you can't scare me with heaven. Do you have the faith of that? So, so let me just say, he is going to save us, but, but the ultimate deliverance might be the ultimate deliverance from the body, which is great. But that's in his hand. We don't get to make that choice, right? We're not going to kill ourselves when things get bad. We're not going to kill someone else when things get bad. Life and death are in the hands of the Lord. We have given that to him. But I can promise you this. God has already given the commandment that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. So when people rise up against you, it's Jesus Christ that will be your rock. It's Jesus Christ that will be your fortress. People will let you down. Now, how many of you know that the world is against Christians? Right? But here's the problem. What happens when it's your Christian friends that hurt you? So keep your place here. Go to Psalm 41. In verse 9. Look at verse verse 7. Psalm 41, verse 7. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. Verse 9. Of course, this is a prophecy of Jesus, but, yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me and raise me up, that I might requite them. Let me just tell you something. Life is hard. And we can understand when the world does things against us because we expect the world to be sinful and evil. But when our brothers and sisters in Christ hurt us, that's a completely different level of trouble. That's a completely different level of hurt because it's my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, in whom I trusted. So now, here's something that I, I just want to, to just cover a few things right here. 
Number one, we are all sinners. Okay? Now, now if you agree with that, say amen. We're all sinners. Right? None of us have it figured out. None of us. But the old saying, cheer up, you're a lot worse than you think you are. Okay? When you think you are holier than someone else, stop comparing yourself to someone else and start comparing yourself to Jesus Christ. You know, I mentioned that that the psalmist was worried in Psalm 69 because the, the trouble was was to his soul. He didn't know what to do, but he knows he's supposed to be representing God. What about those who look at me? We know that. We know that. And so sometimes what we want to do, so let's say that I know that Simon is, has something in his life that, that, is, that is not really helping the cause of Christ. Right? And so I'm going to tell Jason about it. And maybe I better tell Kyle and Corey. I got it. It took a second. It slipped just a little. Is that the right thing to do? Have you ever had someone say something to someone else about you and it hurt? Even if it's true. So when criticism comes, the person who is being criticized, the first thing you need to ask yourself, well, is it true? Because what we do is we get hurt, and then then we just get mad at the person who said it. Well, if I hadn't done it, then they couldn't say it. That's the whole idea of being blameless. Okay? Amen? Here's the only problem. You're not. If you want to say something bad about Pastor Jim, about Jim Alter, man, I've given you way too much material. You know, if somebody leaves and said, somebody left and said, he's the maddest preacher I've ever seen, or the angriest preacher I've ever seen. Well, number one, he's probably not seen very many preachers. Number two, I've probably given him ammunition. Number three, I don't think that guy ever saw me mad. I think I was preaching hard, and he thought that was anger. But maybe he just knows that inside, I'm an angry guy. You know why? God made me short. It's not right. What happened over here? Somebody's evil. What happened over Preach it, brother. Amen. Me and Andy. We'll take Justin. We'll Ed. We'll take on the world. Hey, guys, here's what you say to the tall ones. At least the blood can make it to my brain. That's, that's what you say. <laughs> Listen. It still hurts. Even though I've given them ammunition, it still hurts. So we've got this conundrum at Grace Baptist. Here's a conundrum. Let me just, let me just lay a baseline. We don't have a big gossip problem at Grace Baptist. I've been involved in churches where it's really bad. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? But any is too much. Any is too much. So here's our, here's our balance. We are, on purpose, as truth-based as a church can get. Does that make sense? So we care about righteousness, we care about holiness, we care about doctrinal purity, 
We want to live right. We don't want to live in an immoral way. We don't want to live in a way that brings a reproach to Christ out in the culture. Right? That's number one. Number two, we understand the responsibility of the membership. So as a member at Grace Baptist Church, it is your, you have taken on the responsibility to maintain a pure church body. Are y'all with me? Right? And we do that by being aware of what's going on in the body. So, number one, we're truth-based. Number two, we are discipleship-based. And so what we teach is confrontation in discipleship. But the first step of that confrontation is you have to have a relationship with that person in order to be able to confront them. So now, if you just walk up to somebody and say, you know, I don't like your behavior, and they don't even know your name, how are you going to respond to that? Not well. And so we've established some, some parameters, discipleship, that you have to have a relationship before you can confront, all those kinds of things that we've taught over and over and over again. But one of the things that we can forget is how harmful, how hurtful our words can be, especially if they're said to someone other than the person that has the problem. So let's go to the anger thing. Let's say that one of you saw me mad, okay? Your mom was driving too slow in front of me, and I went around her real fast. <laughs> Could happen. And um, so rather than coming to me and say, hey, pastor, I know my mom was going 30 on the highway, but you shouldn't have gone around her like that. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, I didn't kill her. That might be a little extreme. But then, have you ever had this, the dreaded, people are saying. Have you ever experienced that? Well, who are these people? These are people that should know what the Bible says. If you, Here's the language of the scriptures. If you have aught with your brother... Go to him, listen, him alone. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. Him alone. Now listen, let's say that Jet has a problem with Steve. He saw Steve doing some stuff he's not supposed to do. Watch out for this guy. And so Jet comes to me, because I'm the pastor. Is that right? Nope. Who's he supposed, Jet, who are you supposed to go to? Supposed to go to Steve. Here's what we need to understand. When you love the Lord, and here, get this, please understand this. This, what I'm preaching on right now, what I'm communicating to you right now, is the result of good stuff. This is, how many of you know that you can take something good too far? Right? So here's the good stuff. We're truth-based. We care about morality and behavior. 
We believe in confronting evil. We believe in the responsibility of the church to maintain purity. Here's what we forget. Here's what we forget. There's not a list of behaviors that you have to go along with to be a part of Grace Baptist Church. You might have your own list. You're not allowed to impose that list on somebody else. Can I say that again? We all have our own lists, and we should. But you're not allowed to impose that list on someone else. Okay? So, I don't wear a green shirt. What if I said to Dan, no more green shirts on the platform? Now, you know what Dan would do? Okay. Good guy. Pastor, I guess you got a reason for it. But how many of you think that might be a little dumb? Right? So, I can have my list... I wore a shirt to the fair the other day. It had flamingos all over it. Dodie hates flamingos. And Dan couldn't wait to point that out to her. (laughs) What happened in your childhood that you hate flamingos? I was attacked by a band of flamingos. So we all have our lists. And you might have a good reason for your list. But you're not allowed to impose that list on someone else in the church. You say, what do you mean I'm not allowed? That's causing division. That's causing strife. That can cause hurt. Now, if you're a guest with us, this is not a big problem at Grace Baptist Church that we're having. These are warnings. Because I think that there are many people in the church who you have either hurt someone or you have been hurt by someone else at some point in your Christianity. I think of uh, Gandhi. He said, I would be a Christian if not for Christians. Well, that's stupid. Why do you think Jesus had to come? Because we're all sinners. Right? If he said, I would be a Christian but for Christ, well then... Well, if you don't want to accept Christ, that's on you. He's perfect. You know, if that's not high enough for you, then whatever. But if if I'm your standard, man, I'm going to let you down. Understand how our words can hurt people. I know some of you are thinking, oh, pot. Our words can hurt people. How many of you honestly? You don't want to hurt anybody. Would you raise your hand? I don't want to hurt anybody. Well, maybe your mom driving 30 miles an hour in front of me. That's another story. But we do. But we do. So what do we need? We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God, and we need the joy of the Lord. And when, when you see something and you have a relationship with that person, go to them and talk to them. And then when, when the trouble comes in your life, recognize. So, again, let's say that I, I saw that Simon was doing something wrong. So now... As an old guy, 59 years old, I'm not surprised. How old are you, Simon? He's 16. I'm not surprised when a 16-year-old does something he's not supposed to do. How many of you would, how many of you, now it would surprise me if Simon did because he's a good guy. 
But how many of you, it would not surprise you if a 16-year-old did something wrong? How many of you, that would not surprise you? Can we give people time to grow? Can we give people room to grow? One of the things that causes people trouble, though, is hypocrisy. So when you've got people who have put themselves forward as holy people and who represent themselves as being righteous, and then you find out that they're not, that's a bummer. That's very disappointing. How many of you are surprised when people don't live up to what they want to live up to? How many of you are surprised by that? So when I was a young man, I think 11th grade, a preacher that I really looked up to had messed up, wasn't in the ministry anymore. And my dad said, if you expect men to be human, you won't be so, so surprised when you find out they are. That's why we trust in the Lord and not in men. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we do everything we can to build them up. So Ephesians chapter 4 says it this way. Let no corrupt communication precede out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So this thing, I found out Simon's doing something. If I say it to Jason, is that going to build Jason up? Or is that going to tear Simon down? Is it going to help Jason for me to say that to him? No. Not at all. Now, as parents, let's say, Simon's gotten into some bad stuff. Jeff finds out about it. Well, Jeff's going to say to Jason, you better not hang around with him. Now, that's what parents are supposed to do, right? But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people in, in your own relationships as young people. And then we as church members, make sure that if there's an issue, that you go straight to that person. Or if somebody comes to you and says, um, hey, Chad, I heard that David, that Monica's beating him up. <laughs> See, what he needs to tell me, what, what Chad need, would need to say to me right here, why are you saying this to me? You need to go talk to David. That every time someone comes to you about someone else, that needs to be the answer. Well, did you hear what Debbie did? Well, you better go talk to Debbie, because she probably did. <laughs> it's really? How many of you know that this is Christianity 101 right here? Would you raise your hand? How many of you know this? I don't think we recognize the assault. When people are really in the world, and they're, they're dealing with the adversary in the world, and then in their place of refuge, someone hurts them, what that does to the soul. So here's, let, let, let's all stand together. Here's, here's the commitment. Here's the commitment we need to make. Lord, Please help me not hurt. Do, do we still care about truth? 
Do we need to be a holy body? Number one, Lord, please help me not to hurt. Ready for this? This is the hard one. Number two, Lord, please help me not to be hurt. There's two principles in the Bible. Don't cause your weaker brother to stumble. Don't be the weaker brother. That being said, you feel how you feel. You ever had somebody say, well, I feel like this. Well, don't feel that way. Husbands, that doesn't work. Vital. Vital. Look at the text. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Cast me not off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Chapter ends this way. I will praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou holy one of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee. And my soul which thou hast redeemed, that soul that was being overwhelmed, now it's redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not confused. They're confounded. For they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. So here's what happens when you trust in the Lord and you find his deliverance and his salvation in your trouble. The people that were out to get you, now they're confused. Isn't it amazing that God knows that sometimes we need a little vengeance? Just a little bit. And he gives it to us in the song. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Please help us trust you. Lord, these young people, help them to trust you from their youth. And then, Lord, when we're old, please not don't cast us off. We know that you won't, but help us to recognize that. Father, help us to be the kind of people that you would have us to be in this body. Help us to be edifiers, not destroyers. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the most important thing is that you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I said Gandhi said he would have been a a Christian if not for Christians. How about you? What does it mean to be a Christian? It's not that you go to a church. It's that you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. If you trust your baptism, that won't save you. If you trust your church membership, that won't save you. If you trust your own goodness, you're trusting in something that doesn't exist. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? He'd love to save you today.